0: Welcome to the Remembering Ethan podcast. I'm Chris Tafoya. My guest today is Megan Miller. During one of the interviews for season one, someone had mentioned to me that Megan and Ethan were close friends. And then also during my conversation with her husband, Dean, he gave me some insight into just how close of friends they were. So I reached out to Megan and uh, she was happy to speak with me about her friendship with Ethan. Although Megan didn't perform with Ethan on stage, she did share some very insightful memories and thoughts about their friendship. And I learned a few new things about Ethan during our conversation. I enjoyed speaking with her and I do appreciate her taking the time to be a part of this podcast. So here's my conversation with Megan. I hope you enjoy it. Megan Miller, how are you?
1: Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you. I'm so thankful and appreciative that I'm I'm here. So uh, thank you for asking me to to be part of this.
0: Yes, of course. Thank you for being part of it. Uh, I I just want to talk to anybody who knew Ethan and see him through different eyes. You know, I love hearing about him from other people's perspective. Yeah. Good. Great. Well, before before we get started um, talking about Ethan, um. I just kind of want to let the audience know a little bit about you. Uh, so you you live in Arizona. What's the weather like there today?
1: i finally getting some tastes of summer being close to over. So okay. very happy about that. We were actually outside this morning enjoying the weather a little bit um, in that, that the backyard for the first time in months. So yeah, not not miserable not miserable.
0: <laughs> Good. I remember those summers, you know, it's weird now that I'm in upper Michigan, the winters here are like crazy. It's like in movies and stuff. You know, I only saw stuff in movies, but the winters here remind me of the summers there because I just stay inside the whole winter and I warm up my truck. And I remember being in Phoenix, I'd stay inside. The, well, I played a lot of gigs, but you know, inside gigs mostly. And then I turned my truck on with the air conditioner for a few minutes. So it's like opposite, but similar you know extremes
1: exactly at least we get some sunshine here so that that's the one trade-off that I feel like I I'd rather not knocking where you live but I'm happy that we at least get the sun coming through the windows when it's when we're stuck inside
0: for sure dude the phoenix weather was awesome it's three months that it's a little uncomfortable and the rest of the year is just amazing I really enjoyed my time yeah so tell us a little bit about yourself
1: I am, let's see here. I, yeah, I've, I'm actually an Arizona native, um, mm-hmm. which I don't think there's a ton of us. So lived here most of my life. I have two young children, uh, who, who are just barely five Mason and a two-year-old named Dena, And so they take up a lot of my time and, um, you know, are, are great joy and, uh, uh, learning, um, Less- teaching me lessons all the time in my life. And then I'm, I work full-time as well. So I'm involved in international business. I work for a company, work with all of our international markets. So that's where I spend a lot of my other time. Otherwise, we really like to travel, be outside, be active. So, um, you know, really find um, meeting new people and in dis- exploring and discovering new places are really big passions of mine that I'm always excited to share with with my children. That's awesome. And I have a husband too, Dean Miller. <laughs> I should probably mention yeah. him since uh, a lot of other people who would listen to this might know who he is too. So you have know, been married to Dean. I, he was going to come up in my conversations about Ethan. So I felt like I didn't need to talk to him right now because you know he'll, he's intricate in the stories to come, but I'm also married to Dean.
0: <laughs> All right. I'm glad you uh, remembered that little fact. <laughs>
1: yeah, me too. So I'm sure he will be also. <laughs>
0: So I'm guessing that you're not a musician.
1: I am not a musician. So I'm not a musician. It's something that I've always felt. So I love music, drawn to music, been raised around music. So my mom sings. She used to sing at church. My father's a drummer. Um, If anything, I could maybe blame him for not wanting to be a musician because of growing up with loud drums in my house. um, It was sort of like, I don't want that because that's just very noisy. Um, so no, it's something I've always I, my parents were one of my favorite things that I'm passing on to my children is um, in the car, growing up, we were not allowed to listen to our own music. My parents had a role, we had to listen to theirs, which was really annoying as a especially as a teenager. Sure. But now as adult, as an adult, it's something I appreciate so much because I've just been exposed to so many different types of music and grew up listening, and I have an appreciation for you know music that I never would have if my parents hadn't kind of forced that on me um so have this you know, deep root and rooted um relationship and appreciation and love for music but no I've never never played I plan on getting my kids in piano and I plan on taking lessons too I've never really tried um, so you know maybe I'll, I'll be a prodigy in my 40s um, mm-hmm. but uh, so far no I'm def- not a musician just a music lover
0: so if you can pick an instrument to play, would it, it would be the piano? Is that what you said you'd like to take lessons in?
1: I, I've always, yeah, I've always been drawn towards the piano and it's a foundational instrument, of course. So, you know, that could open me up to other instruments. I, I did try learning one song once for Dean. I thought it'd be really romantic to play him a song, but um, just got... Got too critical of myself um, to continue that pursuit. So that's that's been my only attempt as an adult. But I think my kids can do it. Then I feel like you know we can. Then I better do it too. (laughs)
0: Sure, it's so. uh, I mean, having young kids too. It's so awesome watching them approach things because they're fearless. You know, there's no like they don't have that little voice in their head that says, "Oh, you suck. You can't do this."
1: (laughs) Right. Definitely.
0: How exciting! Then I love talking to people who didn't necessarily perform musically with Ethan, but who just knew him and loved him. So I'm very excited to talk to you. Yeah. And it's a pleasure to meet you. I've um, watched you guys peripherally through Facebook and stuff. And I remember when Dean got married, it was around the same time we got, my wife and I had been together for 11 years. And you told me you guys have been married 12 years.
1: It'll be 12. So we're in our 11th year also. Okay. Oh, yeah. cool.
0: Wow. So we have a lot of similarities, you know, the age difference. Yeah, definitely. My wife and I, the amount of time we've been married. Okay, cool. Awesome. Okay, well, well, I guess a good place to start is uh, how you met Ethan. Remember how you met him? Yeah.
2: Okay. I
1: definitely remember how I met him. I kind of feel like I met him twice. Um, But the first time I met him was as a fan. Again, not being a, a musician. Um, my friends and I, there was a period of my life in my early 20s where we uh, started going out every Wednesday night to the same bar, Fibber McGee's, to have what we ended up calling singles only night. Um, and that obviously could have taken place anywhere, it was just a group of friends getting together to hang out and have drinks. But the reason why we picked Fibber's and kept going back to Fibber's is because Ethan and Todd performed there. And the first time we saw them performing, it was just as memorable as any gig that Ethan ever did. Um, and then obviously if anybody who's had the pleasure of seeing Ethan and Todd together, just their great banter, um, their great musicianship. It was just not only great music, but great fun, watching the two of them perform and hearing the two of them perform. So um, got to kind of know them in that way. Um, I was actually probably the annoying girl that now being married to a musician, um, I know what I shouldn't have done, but I, you know, I was that girl that was like, I've got blue eyes, not brown. Why are you singing in that version of the song? Um, you know, would stop him and he just wanted to pee. And I'd stop him on the way to the bathroom, but I was just like that kind of fan for a while. Um <clears throat> yeah. I know. And then one night, uh what's that?
0: I said, yeah, okay there's there's a yeah I've encountered that before yeah <laughs>
1: I, I hope not that same level of annoying I feel like there's like it's you
0: know, not a, it's not a, I wouldn't say annoying it's just something that makes you kind of chuckle like okay you know like and it's and I guess you encounter it so much that it's like no big deal and everyone understands there's yeah. a couple drinks going around <laughs> and you get excited
1: exactly. but I know exactly yeah, I know
0: exactly what you mean though yeah
1: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I figure um, a few people could relate to that. So I, um, and then one night uh, I was sitting there with my group of friends and, and Dean walks in um, and I remember, you know, quickly running up to him. So Dean and I had known each other. Um, he actually was in a band with my dad for a number of years, a real estate themed band. And him and his brother Dave and my parents used to go on like short trips together. they went to Flagstaff together. They performed at a few real estate conferences together. So De- D- Dean was in my life, but we were both he was dating someone else. I was dating other people. Um, so we knew Dean and I knew each other for for eight years before we actually started dating. Wow. Um, so Dean walked it. yeah so Dean walked in one night and I was like what are you doing here and didn't felt like he belonged he was in my territory in my space he's <laughs> like um I, I know these guys and so uh, you know he, he obviously had known ethan and, and Todd quite a bit longer than I had um had greater claim to them but um so that that was kind of that period of my life I actually moved not too long after that to DC, and um remained friends you know occasionally would see them at gigs actually became maybe a little bit more I have a friend with, with Todd and Ethan, but, you know, knew them, but didn't really see them again regularly for a period of time uh, until many years later when, when Dean and I started dating. So that's, yeah, that's how I first met him. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. So now I'm curious about the second time you guys met.
1: Yeah. So the second time was um, with Dean really was with as introduced as Dean's girlfriend. And I, I, I feel like Ethan remembered me from the days before, but, you know, didn't know me well enough, but I, I pretty quickly into hanging out with him. I just remember getting a thank you from him from Ethan and, you know, not, and he's like, thank you. And long story short, version of it was for being normal, for being awesome, for being somebody for Dean. Dean had some pretty, I, you know, I wish, you know there were people that tell stories, but there were some bad girlfriends before me. Um and so Ethan initially like Ethan and I really clicked. I mean I remember walking into his house for the first time and um he had the the wall where he had a bunch of pictures and there, you know, there were pictures of different artists and in um Harry Benson's photos of the Beatles and um other artwork that you know it not necessarily un, unknown art, famous art, but still like pieces that I would have picked to put on my wall. So little things like that kind of quickly. And I was like, oh, all right, you and I, you know, luncheon at the voting party. That's one I would put up in my house is Harry Benson. I had seen this exhibit of him with the Beatles and other other um, people he had photographed. And just these really kind of unique pieces that had this special meaning to me, he actually had a hanging up on his wall. And so there are just little things like that with Ethan that, um, you know, really quickly, as I pointed those out, he was like, Oh, you know, like the two of us really quickly realized that we had more in common. And, um, so he, he very quickly took, took to me, but the amazing thing, the beautiful thing about it was just his, his thankfulness that his really good friend had met someone that, like he could, that he knew he could, that Dean would be with forever. And it, it's something that stays with me in my marriage all the time. Like when Dean and I aren't having a great day, um, you know, especially since Ethan's passed. I, there's a lot of times where I'm like, not that I, I don't want this to come off. Like I'm with Dean because of it, but I do think sometimes like now there's this like, I've got to live up to to the expectation, to the precedent that Ethan expected of me in my marriage, because I know how important it was that I would take care of his good friend and, and I love Dean and all of that, too. But there's that level as well, as well of my love for Ethan, you know, adds adds to my love for Dean.
0: Crazy. So you uh, kind of leads me to my next question, question, which you answered a little bit. But what was it about him um, that you noticed right away that made him special or someone that you would want to get to know? I mean, were you comfortable around him right away? And you know, what was that thing that drew you to him?
1: It's funny how, so again, the, when I very first met him, I remember just uh, the bar version of, you know, our relationship being drawn to him because of, I mean, just the wit and his musicianship, I mean, him on stage and just how he was so quick and, and obviously just such a natural performer, not just a musician, but performer. I mean, it's just, he stole the room and it just, there's just this brightness about him and, and um so th- there was that that piece. But then when I got to know him better, um, you know, really as a friend, it was, it was it was it was it's just it's hard to describe other than just there was this light that just came from him, came forth from him that that anybody who was graced by it was brought in into that light and, and didn't want to leave it. Um, it he just had this kindness and this authenticity and um, just this, this love and passion for, for kindness and, and that I, I just felt like you you picked up on immediately. And, but the authenticity piece was there too. Like it wasn't, there's, you know, some people that are putting on a performance and there are good performers. For him, it was natural and it was real. And they, so there was also the political aspect that would come into his, his banter on, on stage or in, you know, in a friendship, um, you knew where, how he felt about things and he, he didn't, he wasn't just idle and standing by and he wasn't just up there, just putting on a show. You know, there was a message behind a lot of what he did that that really resonated with me. I think, again, that's another area that him and I bonded over, um, was just, our both being. You know, very passionate about trying to make the world a better, happier place—a place that's inclusive for everyone, a place where everyone can can feel um, love and and have a a purpose and and um, feel safe. And I feel like those, you know, that that came out in all aspects of your interactions with Ethan. It was never just about Ethan; it was about everyone surrounding Ethan and everyone on this planet. And, you know, that was something that always, um, brought me in, drew me in as well.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. He was, that's, that was his demeanor. Yeah. And it was, it was sweet. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense why you'd be drawn to that, especially if you're, uh, we're like-minded like him, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, so when, when Dean introduced you as his girlfriend and he thanked you for, uh, rescuing Dean and all that, um, (laughs) You guys, did you, you became closer friends as time went on, you and Ethan?
1: I think a lot of it was, um, I guess just through to hit, being around. I mean, we invited Ethan over to everything. I mean, really we became closer and closer when I was really good friends with Asia as well. Um, when Asia came into the picture. So that was a period of, of our lives where, you know, Dean and I didn't have children yet. Um, so we were hanging out as the four of us pretty frequently, we had Ethan and Asia over a lot. Um, so we, that, there was a whole, you know, period there where we just spent a lot of time together. Um, so we, yeah, we'd go over to their house and hang out. We, you know, they, we'd watch movies or um, we we went stargazing with them. Um, you know, we did a little bit of, they'd come over to the house and we did game nights and things like that. So there was a lot of time spent in, in those years with, with
0: um with the two of them wow how awesome how fun dude that you got to know them on a level like that you know outside of performing and going to get just knowing them from gigs like you guys got uh, to know each other real deep on a personal level which is cool
1: yeah def- definitely um it was it was a lot of fun I mean getting to know both of them um and having the, the time together and there was that you know, there was that eventual time where I did feel like um, sometimes it's hard to, to, you know, especially with Ethan having passed, um, you know, the, there's the, the times that aren't all happy. Um, and there was, you know, a lot of darkness too. And um, so that's where a lot of our bonding really took place. So there was a lot of time that we spent together having fun, doing fun things. But then there was a lot of time um, spent together, Uh, through their, their marriage, through the grief of her passing um, and through kind of his, the light that he found again, you know, later on. So there, there was, that was where our deep bonding really happened. So there's a lot of fun, a lot of the, the, the the interactions with Ethan that I think a lot of people have, but there, you know, I felt like we became true friends. Like I got to know the real Ethan, the one who would call me and, and complain about, you know whatever was going on and, and talk to me in that regard, so um, you know, that there was that, that level of depth to our relationship that I really valued, um, and that I know he he valued too, which was just a, a great, um, you know, great feeling to know that that I was able to be there for him as he was for me.
0: So, yeah, you know, when Ethan was going through all that stuff in his life, I could see how and you being there for him, and thank you for being there for him, how that brought you guys closer together. So, you know, you were with him through those dark times. And then at some point, I'm sure the clouds started to clear and the sun came out. What what type of memories do you have from that era of his life?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we could even jump back to happy times before all that. Um, You know, some of our favorite things, we had a a bar that we could walk to from our house um, that became a kind of a favorite spot, this little dive bar called the Dark Horse. Um, And we had guest visitors join us on these walks pretty frequently. So again, Mike Mercier, Ethan, Todd um, would come to our house and we'd we'd walk over to the Dark Horse um, because they had karaoke night. And I mean, again, we started off this conversation about the fact that I am not musical. Um, I love to sing, but I have been told my whole life that I'm no good at singing. Um, so I get to show up to karaoke with these professional musicians who, of course, just stole the show. So some of my favorite nights were, you know, you drinking at that bar um, and you know, Ethan singing his own songs, taking over the, the entire performance. Um, and I felt like whoever had to go after them, I always felt terrible for. But we had just some amazing memories. of of Ethan doing his songs and then some some great harmonies or he'd get Dave and Dean in on on the songs they'd all collaborate to figure out which song they wanted to perform for the bar and it was like it was their night off but of course they were still out music was was part of that um you know then we'd we'd stumble back to the house and you know maybe have a couple more drinks and the, the guitars would come out at our at our home and um, you know, we'd be up till the morning uh, with the sunrise, just with with music having been, you know, the center of everything we did that night. But it, it was it was so much fun. I had so many great memories of the times that they actually randomly had a night off. Um, you know, we, and then we got to go out and and have some some fun with the karaoke.
0: Now, speaking of karaoke, uh, what what's your go to karaoke song? And then I want you to tell me what songs Ethan liked to sing. But you first. Uh-
1: yeah, so my go-to again, um, because of the the singing fears, especially in that kind of group, is Gangster's Paradise by Coolio. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, because I, I emulate that song so clearly. <laughs> um, so yeah, Ethan, gosh, they did, I mean, they usually like did the Eagles. I'm trying to think of like specific songs because it was never there wasn't like go-tos for them. It was just well, like I'm what sure. they felt like singing that night. Yeah. So the harmonies, like Dean and Dave are really good with the harmonies. So I know they did some Eagle songs to, to, to really get those harmonies out there. Um, but it was more, I, I mostly remember like the running around, like the whole bar got to be the stage. So it wasn't like they just sat in their seat and sang the song. It was like, I'm going to go walk around and sing to everyone in this bar. And it was like, you, kind of, a, I guess a unique way to perform when you're used to being like, here's your stage, here's your spot where they, they just took over the whole bar. And I just remember, you know, they, they brought everyone into the performance where they could and, and just the, the looks on everyone's faces and them lighting up. Um, it was just, it was a lot of fun.
0: Oh, fun. So man, you really, you really hung with him a lot. Do you He's have any, um, Stories, but I mean that's my favorite thing is hearing Ethan's stories. Like, do you have any stories that stick out in your mind? They could be funny or not. Or yes, or, no, Ethan, I have
1: a really my favorite story probably of of Ethan was <laughs> um, we had a Super Bowl party and I think it wasn't until halftime that he finally made it to the party. Um, but he parties weren't his thing. Really, like it was a bunch of it was our friends and our family um and so getting him out to a, something like that or he wasn't surrounded by his people I think was an unusual feat um so we got him to do the the house eventually at halftime but he showed up in character and um kind of a, a really great ex- story in kind of multiple ways now is the character he decided to show up as was Dwayne Moore um, who is the lead singer of Muggy On, who unfortunately is also no longer with us. He passed away this year. Um, but anybody who who knew Dwayne, yeah, long hair.
0: I've, I've seen pictures boot. of him on Facebook.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he passed away, um, unfortunately, a few months ago. Um, so, you know, again, to... to it, he... I just... Ethan trying to emulate Dwayne, um, who he also did some, you know, shows with and stuff. He did it. He, well, he played in and muggy on for a few years before I was around and then they continued to do shows together, just the two of them occasionally. But he, um, he had a cowboy hat and cowboy boots and just talked with this weird. Hick accent all night, which is funny. Cause Dwayne didn't really talk like that, but of course he had to take it to the next level. Um, there was a lot of cursing, a lot of yelling, uh, like fun, Like he was just on. He was just super intense, um, which is great when it's, you know, like us friends hanging out. But my parents were there. My in-laws were there. um, And I just remember how uncomfortable everyone was. um, and, And he didn't care. Like he was just he was owning it. He was Dwayne Moore for the night. And it was just a really fun, amazing experience for those of us who weren't uncomfortable with him being there. Um, and it, he he left he, he finally left Wayne behind after probably two or three hours because the game ended, the guitars came out and then he got to go back to just being in his element. But because he, he had to be somewhere that he wasn't necessarily in control, he he had to take over and take control in his way and, and decided to be a, not only a character, but a, a caricature of a real person. And it was it was really, really a memorable, funny night for the rest of us.
0: Yeah, that sounds hilarious. Do you have any pictures from that night or videos or anything?
1: I have video uh of the after of when he was oh. no longer Dwayne.
0: Oh, so I have
1: right. videos of of him performing in our living room, but yeah, unfortunately, I think we were all just kind of in shock <laughs> that we <laughs> we didn't we didn't bust out our phones unfortunately earlier in the evening.
0: Right. Oh man, how funny. Yeah, any other stories or is that the only one that's coming to you right now? I don't mean to put you for stories, but if that's no, it.
1: no, that's probably like the the one that and I feel like, you know, unfortunately I can't tell it the way that it should be told because it was it was such a, a fun night. One of my other um memories was being invited to go stargazing with him. Um and of course that wasn't just like let's go up the road and bust out the telescope. It was you know, let's, we're going to go meet. It's out um, kind of near Tortilla Flat. And here are my instructions on how to get there. And at some point you're going to lo- lose cell service, but don't worry, don't worry. I'll find you. Um, just trust me. And oh. so we're like driving way out to East Mesa. We're like 40 minutes into the drive. We're finally getting the text of the specifics, which is basically like, you're going to go over this hill And it's going to be really dark. And then you're going to see this one sign, but ignore that one. Look for the next sign. And when you get to that one, make your second left down this dirt path. And I was just like, what is happening? I mean, we were never lost, but it was more like, it's dark. It's 10 o'clock at night already. I've already driven an hour, and there's no way in hell we are going to find Ethan. Like, these instructions are insane, and we have officially lost cell phone service. And so we're just driving and we're kind of coming to that point where it's like, all right, if we don't come across him in the next couple of minutes, we're just going to have to, like, you know, call it quits and turn around. And sure enough, like his, you know, he was always one of those people who was like prompt to the second. It's like he had that intuition that we are driving up and he comes up at the same time and he's standing out on the corner, waving his arms. And and we just then followed him and somehow made it out to the stargazing spot in the middle of nowhere. Um, so that was just a really kind of more of a, a peaceful, fun night. I mean, his, you know, his passion for for the Cosmos is um, something else that I really enjoyed learning from him. And I feel like he's one of the people that helped contribute to my appreciation towards that. It was something that I had never really, you know, other than what I was forced to learn in school, had never spent my own time learning about or appreciating, I definitely feel like he opened me up to that a bit more. So, you know, he was getting the telescope set up so that we could, you know, look at all the different planets and just his excitement about being able to to share and know that he was teaching someone something that he was really passionate about was really amazing. Um, you know, we had a few drinks, we had a fire going, and it was just a really just beautiful, peaceful, fun night that, you know, was a where I got... Uh, introduced to something in a, in a way that I hadn't been before. Um, I now have like, a, I have a tattoo of a planet, um, that I actually think of Ethan a lot when, um, when I look at it and in that night, um, I wouldn't say he would fully, you know, he was definitely, um, part of the reason why I got this tattoo. And, and, and again, it's that inspiration that really, he sparked in me that, um, kind of got me interested in it. And so that's another like pivotal, important and, and, um, beautifully um thought of night in in my memory
0: what a great story yeah and and you were lucky if you got to stargaze with him so what did you take away from his um uh, uh, astronomy stuff you know so you got that I mean, what's that is that a particular planet that
1: it's not a particular planet um i just i it's you know in honor of Saturn, I guess, but it's not really based off of Saturn and which was the, you know, one of the planets we obviously looked at that night. Um, I think it's more, it's, it's, it's sparked in me. I've started watching more documentaries and shows about it. It's even just stuff on, on social media, just stopping and appreciating it more. I wouldn't say it become any, I mean, especially compared to someone like Ethan, any sort of expert on it, but it's just an, a, an area that felt unaccessible too big for me in some ways. And I think he made it like tangible, um, and something that I could, could start spending time, um, understanding more and appreciating more. So, um, one of the other cool things that we did, uh, going kind of fast forwarding again to, um, some of those areas where we were looking for light when things were a little bit, heavier, there was a super moon and it was one of the times we were able to get, uh, we got Ethan out and doing something on him and his element. So he actually came with my family. My parents actually joined as well. And some, and some people, some other friends, and we went out to Papago park, um, so that we could watch the rising of the super moon over Phoenix. And it was a really cool, uh, experience as well. Just being with him out there and, um, watching, watching this, this moon come up and and hearing him again kind of talk about why it looks that way and, and him you know being able to kind of set aside anything else he was feeling and again and step into that role of like teaching and, and sharing. And I hadn't done all the research as to what made the super moon super that night. And and he of course knew that without even having to to look for it. um So it was really cool to you know have him out there you know finding um that connection again and sharing it with us and 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 having that opportunity to 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 do something he loved kind of in a time where things were a little bit darker.
0: Sure. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. You know, and again, I'm so appreciative that you guys were around him to help him with that. So I had asked earlier, um, and I, I think I had jumped the gun a little bit on the question, but you know, where did you start to see the clouds lift when he was going through that stuff?
1: Yeah, um, so I mean he, he obviously it was time getting out and kind of feeling um more um I, I, I think just I definitely the time and in connecting with people again, but I got uh I was out at a gig once and which was became more and more of a rarity after us having children. And he uh, pulled me aside and he had just a couple of days before that. Um Met Kirsten, and was just kind of that that giddiness that had been missing for a while kind of came back out. Um, so he was so excited he had the to for for me to to meet her. You know, it had only been a few days and. He was already just saying, you know, she she's my she's my woman, she's the one. I uh-huh. I I can't wait for you to meet her. Um so there was just this this happiness and giddiness in him. So I, you know, I think he he had something to definitely hold on to and some light brought back into his life there that was wonderful. So um, you know, kept then getting texts about about Kirsten. And um, so eventually, you know, did get to meet her and um, you know, was just so excited to kind of see that he you know it felt like he had purpose again in a way that wasn't just the day-to-day life that he had lived for so long there was something bigger and more meaningful and um so that that's where i really felt like you know the light kind of came back um and it was you know it was a really um i'm just really thankful that, that we got to see that brightness again in him
0: sure you know and i had mentioned earlier that i wasn't around to see that i had only you know saw positive stuff but I did notice a huge bump in texts when he met Kirsten, you know, like, yeah. You know, and she can sing, but you should see, hear her sing Fleetwood Mac. Oh
1: man. Yeah.
0: You know, it's going to be something when you guys meet, you know, and he was real, always real excited about. And anytime we talked on the phone, all he did was brag about Kaylee and Kirsten. Yeah. Those were his yeah, girls. Was,
1: yeah. It was really great seeing him step into that and then become this mentor and father figure to Kaylee, and um, just, yeah, it was a really special time for him, and you know, it's something that he hadn't experienced before. And he just he leaned right in, and you know, was really um, such a, a great father figure, and 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 loved loved that girl, and loved um, you know all of us again talking about all the things he taught us, and to just have this little sponge. Um, was just the perfect, she you know, she's such a, an intelligent young woman. Um, so to have, you know, someone like her who would just was hungry to learn all the things that he was so excited to share and teach, um, they, they were a great partnership.
2: <laughs> oh,
0: I bet. She probably had a blast yeah. and he, I could just yeah. see him on the floor with her, like so excited to show her everything.
2: <laughs> Definitely, and, uh, yeah.
0: There's no doubt that if he was still around, I'm sure that she I mean, I don't know if he got into the music at that point with her because I know she's still pretty young. But imagine all the musical references in her adult life. She'd be able to, like, hang with anyone who talked about jazz oh, yeah. blues, or rock or whatever, you know. <laughs> he
1: definitely instilled some of that into her already. And she, oh, you know, she started, yeah, definitely having an interest, you know, again, with with her mom being musical as well, um sure. even Kirsten confiding in me though that it was at a whole different level once Ethan introduced her to it, and you know the the interest that she had in instruments that she hadn't before, and um right. so yeah, definitely he that's something that she'll carry on for the rest of her life.
0: Well, and that's a good point too. I'm sure Kirsten's got that area covered too. You know, I said, oh, if each, yeah. she's gonna, yeah, but, yeah. yeah each, Kirsten's still around and like but, make sure. But for fine.
1: parents, we know that. When someone else brings it into the someone's life, it's they're going to pay attention a little bit more. You know, it's like it's like, oh, mom does that. Whatever. Right. But like when <laughs> someone else is doing it, it's like, OK, wait a minute. What is this? Tell me more. <laughs> so she would have probably gotten there. But Ethan got her there maybe a little bit sooner. <laughs>
0: sure. ah, uh, He was the best teacher ever. Do you have yeah. any um, fond memories of that era, you know, from like Kirsten forward? Anything that comes to the surface? whether it's um, his father figure or gigs or, I mean, yeah, I, mean
1: I just, so, I mean, one of the other, I'm thinking of a specific moment. I mean, it was really fun just going out. Cause again, we didn't get to do it very often, but just talking about how you know the Fleetwood Mac song. Um, so the gigs we got to go to Kirsten was often there and it was an Ethan gig, but he'd bring her up on stage to perform. And just, it was more like, so again, I had seen some performances where things weren't as bright in his life. So mm-hmm. it's just a lot of our encounters towards the end of, of um of our time with Ethan ended up being gigs again, just as with the kids and stuff and and not getting, and then obviously with COVID, um, there was just a period where we we didn't get to see him as much. Um, so the performances that we had before that were were super meaningful, just being parents that got to have a night out was amazing. And then, you know, whenever we had a chance, it was, okay, well, where's Ethan playing? Let's go see Ethan play. So just got to see some really great, great gigs and have, have him up on stage again. And, and that light, bright, happy, funny person who just loved doing what he was doing was back. Um, you know, I've got this video that I watch occasionally of you know him busting out kazoos with a couple of his bandmates and then doing a song with a kazoo that I just love watching and, and giggle at. Um, so there's, you know, it's mostly around you know at that point it was, it was in, it was back out watching him perform that we got to to see and, and, you know, take in, um, you know, we got to be there for their reception after their, their marriage, which was great and special. Um, and just, you know, knowing how, um, you know, important that, that relationship was to him, um. I got to have a couple of really fun conversations with them too on the phone, which I, you know, I'm so thankful for to see, he, he, he would call me, you know, he was great at texting, but then when the phone, fu- when the f- phone calls came through, that was always like really exciting because oh. we just got to see <laughs> each other less and less. It was like, oh, all right, work, hold on, hold on, kids, like go bug your dad. You know, I've got to, I've got to talk to Ethan. So we got to have some fun conversations, which are, you know, um, usually him complaining about, whoever he was gigging with the night before and how they, (laughs) they didn't want to do things his way or, you know, I can't play another gig with that person. He's, you know, things too differently than I do politically. And so it was just a lot of like gruffiness. My favorite, um, I I wrote this in my little uh, tribute to him, but um, you know, my favorite was when he would do impersonations of Todd and he would call me and and (laughs) talk in a Todd voice in his, I, I mean, he does Todd better than Todd, which is what I wrote, but like, he, he just, his impersonation of Todd was my favorite thing. So, you know, I'd get those a lot too. Um, but, you know, those are just really special, special phone calls that felt special, even without knowing, you know, that they were kind of the last few that I was going to have. Um, Cause it was just, it was just, uh, he, you know, you've referenced this too, but he was just so good at making sure that you knew he loved you. And it's something that's something else I've taken from Ethan that I try to bring into my, my world now. Um, people that I don't necessarily get to see as much as I would like. And there's sort of that distance, but I still love them just as much, even though we don't see. The second they pop in my head, there's sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to bother them or oh, I'm kind of busy. And I'm like, no, no. What would Ethan do? So I just bust out my phone and I just shoot them that quick message and saying, I'm thinking about you. I love you. And I know how important that was for me to receive that. And that's, you know, a way of kind of him living on through me as well um, and making sure that I'm taking that time to make that people who I love know I love them. And that's something that Ethan absolutely taught me.
0: Wow, how beautiful, dude. And, you know, that was one of my questions. And, I, you know, because when I was developing my notes for speaking with you, you know, I kind of have my set things that I want to know because I would like to see I, I like asking the same questions of each person and see what the point of view is of each one you know not trying to be yeah. repetitive or whatever when i was going through it I, one of the questions that i asked the musician musicians is what did you take away from performing with them you know like what how do you see music now from his influence yeah. and then in some of those conversations i would say maybe even off the stage like in your personal life And it's interesting because there are definitely um, some things that he taught people musically. But a lot of the answers, whether musicians or not, are things in their in their personal life, like paradigm shifts or ways that they see life. And, you know, as you were just talking, it it became obvious to me that that question is super relevant because obviously you took a lot of things away from your time with him. That being one of them, appreciation of friends and life and love.
1: Yeah. And I'm and making sure, sure that, that they hear that. Yeah. I think that's, you know, of course we all have those appreciations, but we're not always good about being vulnerable or taking that second. Or sometimes you have like, for me, it's like thinking about what's going on in the person's life on the other end. And like, that's just gone. It's more like, no, I need to, they need to know this because you never know when it's the last message. And, you know, that's unfortunately been too true of a a statement where, um, yeah, I, I just don't even bother thinking twice anymore. And he, and he sure. didn't ever, right? Um, no matter. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, you mentioned earlier, you know, that you really appreciated being able to have the conversations with them, you know, before he got really sick and being close to him. Do you remember, um, the last conversation that you had with him?
1: I do. Yeah. He, um, we had been texting a little bit when he was really sick before he was in the hospital and a lot through Kirsten um, her and I were just reaching out quite a bit just about it was, you know, ho- heading into the holidays and, and things like that. So he called me um, and of course I answered and and this was uh, I'm so thankful that he called me, but it was also um, deceiving you know, it's one of those things that I think about a lot because I didn't even bother trying to reach out to him as much as I wished I had afterward, because I just had this, he, he had beat COVID, you know, he called me, he's like, I'm feeling better. God, it was terrible. He told me everything he was going through. Um, just how awful it was. I mean, his, you know, case was obviously terrible, but like uh, his symptoms were, were just really bad. And so he was just telling me everything he had lived through and how how awful it was and how thankful he was to be feeling good. And he said, like, "He you knows, like I'm still really tired, but I feel better. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm." He seemed to be on the mend. Um, so yeah, he talked a little bit about gigs he had missed and you know did a little bit of, um, yeah, um, yeah crap talking about. Other musicians and things like that, which was always in a, I I, I feel weird saying that because I don't want anybody to be like, oh gosh, was he talking about me? But hopefully other people have had those types of conversations with him. I'm sure they have where it's like, it's fun. He loves them. He's going to play with them the next time. He's gonna yeah, it's just like he's like he's it's more like a joke than it is for reality. I mean, these are people that he would not want out of his life by any means he loved them. they're the same people he's sending text messages to, you know, it's just like all in good humor, um so he had his, like his moments of like, what's that?
0: I said he was just venting.
1: Yeah, just venting, but still, and like even him being angry was still like the happiest angry when it came to stuff like this. Like it was just always, it always sounded funny. So we had a few moments of him, um, you know, just venting about that. But his, his, the ultimate goal of his conversation was to ask me what ideas I had because he wanted to do something so special for Kirsten because um, mm-hmm. of everything that she had done to take care of him while he was sick. Um, but he's also, you know, it was on a limited budget. And so we were just trying to come up with ideas. Um, So I, you know, I gave him some suggestions that weren't amazing, but just doing the best I could. And, um, and, you know, you, and and that was kind of, you know, he said he loved me. He um, asked about the kids. He, you know, told me to tell Dean and the children that he loved them. And, you know, we, we left thinking that, you know, everything was fine, and he was on the other side of things, um, so, you know, that was the best, I mean, so thankful, like, the best conversation that I ever had with him, just because, like, I got to have it, Um. so I got to tell him he, I loved him, he got to tell me he loved me, I got to hear that one last time, and then, like, a week or two went by, and Um, I was actually trying to, Dean and I send out Christmas cards every year. And for some reason I, I, I deleted, even though I swear I save everything to the cloud, like my addresses were gone. So yeah, I remember sending Kirsten and Ethan a text saying, I could drive to your house right now, but I don't know your address. I need your address to send you a Christmas card. And then I was just like, is everything good? And, um, Kirsten called me and it was actually the night that she took him to the hospital. She called me to tell me she was on her way. She had, I think she had to drop Kaylee off and then she was going home to pick up Ethan to take him to the hospital. So that was my last kind of encounter, I guess, before, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: before he went, went into the hospital.
0: That is true though, dude. It's, it's really awesome that you got to, you know, have that. If you could, if you could talk to him one more time, I mean, is there anything else you think that you would like to add to that? Is there something else that you would like to tell them?
1: You know, it's, what's really hard is, I have these two great children. Um, my daughter was born right when COVID started. She was born on April 2nd, 2020. Thankfully, um, Ethan actually did get to meet her. He had to look at her from across the driveway, but he he came over. We did a social distance night on our driveway. I can't remember how old she was, two or four weeks old. Um, and so, you know, and then Dean, of course was here since, you know, we're married. Um, <laughs> Dave came over as well. Kirsten was here and a couple of other friends, Mike Ditto and, um, and his girlfriend, Katie, who I'm really good friends with. We all sat on the driveway and, and, and chit chatted and stuff. So that's really an amazing memory too. So he got to see my daughter. Um, who was born obviously in the middle of all this too. It was the only time that that they got to meet. Um, So I think that's where, you know, as a parent, that's probably the hardest thing for me is, you know, they'll hear stories about Ethan, but he's just a light that I hope can shine through me. Um, But he's just unlike anyone I've ever met and ever will meet in this lifetime. Um, So I, I just, that's, that's what I miss. It's not, it's more like having that experience for him to, for them to have seen him at a show or to see him in, you know, that in his element doing what he loved the most. Um, so I, yeah, I just wish that's, that's the piece that's going to always be missing for me is that they don't, they don't know him. They met him, but they don't know him. And that's just, that's the worst part for me. So I, w- I wish that we could sit down and or even better go to one of his shows and he could just, you know, yell at them from the stage and make them feel special and everything he did for all of his friends when they walked into any of her performances, you know, you, he made you the center of attention there for a minute Mm -hmm. and have my kids feel that from him. I mean, would have been just really a special thing for them to experience and, and as memorable as it is for us, you know, I, I just know something that he, you didn't forget a performance, you know, especially if Ethan made you part of it and and that's something that they, they never got to experience. And that's the part that, you know, that I'll regret for the rest of my life.
0: What a beautiful thought though. You know, Mike Hill and I were talking about how when you would go watch them, and Mike Hill's in the house and the whole bar would look at you and you just felt like so special, you know, yeah. and um, to be able to do that, to, you know, his friends, kids, <laughs> what a beautiful thought, you know, yeah. and I yeah. i know we can all see it in our minds, how it would go, but you're right. You know, it would be nice or yeah. see it in person. So that's a beautiful, mm-hmm. a beautiful thought.
1: But yeah, I mean, like you said, I, I can almost feel like it's happened in person, you know, you just, sure. just <laughs> have that, that experience yeah. and <laughs> um, yeah, I can at least imagine it almost to reality. Yeah.
0: Well, we could do it. We could do it in in his honor, you know.
1: Yes, and definitely.
0: When your kids go, start going to see Dean. He can be the starry at Ethan and make them feel exactly. special. Exactly. Or anyone who's yeah. jamming with Dean.
1: <laughs> That's right. Uh-oh. Yeah. Again, the parents aren't as special. We'll get someone else to do it.
0: <laughs> you know, it's just been a pleasure meeting you, and I can totally see how you and Ethan hit it off you know and you know the other part of this is I'm talking with all of all of you guys and it's like man I wish I kind of wish I'd stuck around that area so that I could get to know, you know, come and hang too, you know. Yeah. But it's just been, you know, and Ethan was so good at introducing me to new people and cool people, you know, and he's still doing it. It's so great yeah. to know you a little bit and I hope that we're able to keep in touch and I was telling Dean the same thing, you know, cuz Dean and I and the to but kind of peripherally like we never played in any bands the only time I saw him is when he was out seeing Ethan and um we sort of talked here and there and you had a couple conversations but it wasn't like we like we hung out a whole lot you know but I just really enjoyed my conversation with him the other day and then like now I'm having the conversation with you and I'm like man I could My wife and I could totally kick it with you guys. I (laughs)
1: know. Well, we'll have to make that happen. We have to. We'll figure that out. Yeah.
0: We'll get down there. It's going to happen. But thank you again. And I hope you have a wonderful day. And um, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and memories with Ethan. It really touched me. And it was just so nice. So thank you.
1: Thank you very much. I'm so grateful that I got to be part of this and, and to meet you as well. And I agree. Um, you know, I, I can see everything. I've been thinking the same thing as we've been talking. All the reasons cool. why Ethan loved you are, are very obvious. Um, so thank you for having me and for letting me share my my memories.
0: You're welcome. We'll talk soon. Okay. Take care.
1: Okay. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: As I'm sure you can tell from our conversation, Megan loved Ethan very much. And um, her and Dean were a, a very strong support system for Ethan at a time when he needed it. Megan was very gracious to open up this personal part of her life for us. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who appreciates her taking the time to do that. Please join me next week when I'll be speaking with Ashley Norton, Ethan's bandmate, friend, and former girlfriend. She shares with me how they met and how Ethan encouraged her to pursue a career in music. I'd like to leave you today with a song that is very special to me. After speaking with Megan, I went in, I went into my studio and was kind of listening back to some of the, the um, projects that Ethan and I have worked on over the years. And I remember that when he first hooked me onto the Beatles. It was with the song Oh Darling off of the Abbey Road album. And um, I instantly fell in love with that song and decided that I wanted to learn the song or do a cover of it. I wasn't quite sure. And then eventually I met a friend of mine named Ima, who's a a vocalist and now lives and works in Los Angeles. And uh, her and I did a project back in 2014 or so where we Uh, made an album of cover songs that she sang. And Oh Darling was one of the songs I brought to her, but the song didn't make it on the album, and it's just been kind of floating around in limbo. And um, I used to listen to it every once in a while, but when I came across it, obviously I have a little bit of a different perspective on it because I haven't heard it since Ethan passed away. And um, just listening to the bass lines that he played on this song and the way he played the bass... Just reminded me of how gracious he was with his time and how willing he was to work on any projects that I brought to him and just really made me miss him. And he plays the bass so beautifully on this song that I thought I would play it for you as a good way to end such an amazing interview. So here is a cover version of Oh Darling by The Beatles. And Ethan recorded the bass in his living room back in 2014 and it features Tony King on the drums, Ethan on the bass, I play the guitar, and my friend Ema sings the vocals. Thanks for joining. We'll see you soon.